stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and Janine Yunus uh, with you t- uh, today. John uh, Vecchioni is under the weather, uh, but we are uh, also joined by Kara Rollins uh, for for this segment. Kara, uh, uh, thank you for sticking with us and, and coming back to talk about another uh, one of uh, NCLA's uh, cases where we had some action uh, this week. Uh, the case is GH Package Product Testing and Consulting, Inc. v. Peter Buttigieg. At Al uh, Buttigieg being the Secretary of Transportation, uh, so uh, the NCLA agreed to a stipulated dismissal of this lawsuit against a DOT's administrative enforcement regime. Tell us more about this. Why why would NCLA agree to a stipulated dismissal, and and why is this a why is this a victory for our client? Happy to. So our client. Um test packages for hazard material transport. They don't make them, they, they test them. Um, and DOT had brought some uh, fines and penalties against them through their in-house system. It's not a pure in-house adjudication system. It It's almost worse in some ways because the general counsel who sort of finds the violation, you have two pathways. You can either, you know, sort of have a, a informal negotiated process with that individual um, or you can go through an ALJ and, you know, Two paths diverge in the woods, but they're both unconstitutional. What do you do? <laughs> um, and so our client was dragged in this process, and so we filed a lawsuit in uh, Ohio in the district court and just sort of were filing an injunction to stop this proceeding from going forward until it got adjudicated on the merits in a real court. It's my word for the day, real court, mm-hmm. um, about whether or not DOT's processes violate our client's constitutional rights, rights to a jury trial, um, due process rights, all of these sort of things that happen when you have the adjudicator on the same side as the prosecutor <laughs> right. uh, and no jury to sort of mediate, play, play, play yeah, in the middle. Mediate the two, exactly. So this is under the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety mm-hmm. Administration, uh, also known as FEMSA, because we love acronyms in Washington, D.C. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so FEMSA had launched this enforcement proceeding against a GH, and it, it said the company had submitted test reports with some minor inaccuracies that that uh, supposedly violated uh, DOT regulations. Uh, but but as Kara said, they they hauled a GH package in front of this in-house tribunal where these uh, agency officials do not accord the the kind of due process of law uh, that you would get uh, in in a real court. Well. Uh, we've seen this. Uh, we've seen this this show play out before, and usually mm-hmm. what happens is they they just continue to make the process the punishment and and drag the thing out uh, indefinitely until you until you say uncle. So uh, w- what was different? What was different here? Why were why did the agency uh, turn tail? So I mean, I, I think the main thing was our other client, Michelle Cochran's win at the Supreme Court last year, and that's the Cochran Axon cases that I know we've certainly talked about. Um, and that sort of said, if you have these sorts of constitutional challenges, you don't have to go through an agency that has no sort of knowledge or, or specialization in determining constitutional challenges. 
before you can decide whether or not your rights are violated. And that was up until Cochrane and Axon that had been sort of the process. You have to suffer through the agency adjudication, which back to like Janine asked in the SEC context, like that, that still costs money. It still costs time. You're still harmed in the process. Certainly our client, there are collateral consequences regarding some of their ability to maintain, you know, registrations and licensing through DOT as a result of having even just have this, you know, accusation against them. And so um, what those cases did was allow us to go into court and seek a preliminary injunction on on the theory that this exact sort of process creates a here and now injury, right? We don't have to wait to see it develop. We know right now going through the process, that's the injury itself. And so we thought that our arguments right, were pretty strong on that. I just want to underscore that. The, the, the here and now injury is having to go through an unconstitutional process. That's part of what yes. the Supreme Court decided in Congress. Yes. And, and when you, you said uh, the prosecutor and the judge are on the same side, what, what do you mean exactly by that? So, so in this instance, the general counsel for FIMSA is the one who brings the initial charge. And like I said, you could have this negotiated informal process where you negotiate with the person who brought the charge against you. It's like negotiating with a police officer who's pulled you over and already decided <laughs> right. your taillights out. Um, right. Or you can go in front of an ALJ, an administrative law judge, who is in DOT, who is employed by DOT, um, and, and have the that same general counsel litigate the case against you in front of DOT's own ALJ. So, you know, there's yeah, two it, pathways, but well, they're both bad. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, and maybe I don't, but your appeal from the ALJ is also to the general counsel or something, right? Uh, yeah, there's some th sort there's of like weird mechanic. Of all the statutes that I've looked at that have these sort of like agency adjudications, this one was like the most roundabout one that kept seemed to, um, it, it was we always use the, the Sisyphus argument, but like this one was just like even <laughs> more, like I think there were two boulders in this scenario <laughs> um, and they both rolled over at the end of the, the day. So, you know, no work there. But yeah, so I mean, we, we went into court and we just said, you know, we think, Cochrane and Axon control. Our client shouldn't have to go through this. We filed a preliminary injunction. And what happened in that process that was really interesting is the government took an incredibly narrow reading of Axon and Cochrane. And one of the things that came up sort of pre-Axon and Cochrane and was floating around the back room was background of those cases, this concept of structural constitutional challenges. I've asked many people, many intelligent people, nobody can actually tell me what a structural constitutional challenge is. It's like a know it when you see it sort of thing. Right, like what the line is between, oh, that's structural, that's semi-structural, that's <laughs> yeah. not structural. And it's so they said, well, this isn't, or maybe one of them can go through a preliminary injunction because we did raise issues about the appointment of the ALJ. Um, and, and so maybe it is a structural constitutional challenge because appointments challenge violations and double, you know, layer, layer four cause removal problems are sort of understood to be. Um, those are lurking th in here too. Those are lurking yeah. there too. And that's, that, you know, everybody sort of agrees those are structural constitutional challenges. And then they said all the other stuff falls away. Well, what, were, what was the other stuff, right, to a jury trial? Um, and what did Axon charge? They charged that they were denied the right to a jury trial. So this narrow reading of the government came up with wasn't actually based in fact of what was before the court. I think it's sort of self-serving. I think it's not going to last very long, given Jarkissi's arguments. Um, but I do think that at least my reading of Axon— And, and just for our listeners, Jarkissi is another case pending at the Supreme Court where jury these trial jury rights. trial rights <laughs> issues are, are being ventilated. Yeah. Um, about about sort of agency adjudication uh, with the SEC. Surprise, surprise. Um, and so this narrow reading I don't think does anything other than buys them a little bit of time. Um, I certainly read, and I think 
you guys might agree with me that when you read Axon and Cochran, there's no limitation on that constitutional challenge that the agencies have no specialized skill or knowledge to adjudicate yeah, or ability. Not, not only that, but it was a unanimous decision by Justice Kagan. So this, yeah. this it didn't have the flavor of mm-hmm. like a 5-4. Some people think one thing and some people yeah. think another, but you had this patchwork that narrowly achieved mm-hmm. some result. That that wasn't the flavor yeah, and of this decision. C- and certainly so when like the, the government's position came in and they, they had this narrow, it was only structural challenges. They said, well, you know, the only sort of, structural challenge doctrine that I'm aware of comes from the criminal context is very well developed. Um, And what are two things that in the criminal context, they always say violate the structural doctrine. It's uh, biased trial judges and denial of the jury trial right. And that's been for years. That comes from a Supreme Court case back in the 90s, but dated older, you know, Toomey case, some of these older ones that we're all very familiar with. So this idea that somehow a biased judge and denial of a jury trial right is not a structural constitutional issue, I'm still, even after this dismissal, going to bend my mind around because we know from looking at other cases, our case is not the only one that that's getting pushed and argued in. Um, But for our client, you know, this Christmas, their case is dismissed. Right. The and adjudication is dismissed. That's why it's a win. And just to and just to clarify sort of uh, what that means, so th- there was the underlying administrative action that was going on. And as Kara said, we came in and filed in federal district court mm-hmm. against the agency saying, hey, there's all these constitutional problems with your administrative proceeding. The agency didn't want to defend in that case. Yeah. And so in order to prevent having to defend in that case, they dismissed the underlying administrative proceeding against our client. Yeah. Because once that goes away, then, well, now what are you suing on in federal district court, right? So they're really trying to escape uh, accountability for or escape any sort of court judgments against the constitutional problems with their whole you know, process. And, and, and we we see this across the board post Cochran and Axon is cases are getting mooted, which means that the government's taking some action to alleviate the problem, um, or they're asking for stays until jarcusy is decided, because there's a ton of these cases that are floating out there that have particularly the jury trial right issue in them. And they're just, like I said, they're buying time till June of 2024, if not sooner, to, to get these things taken out. And it's just sort of, you know, the frustration is I understand as a government attorney and an attorney generally, you have to do best for your client. I'm not sure that this sort of strategic decision is serving either the government as a client or the people the government serves, which is all of us. Right. No, and I so think that's that's a problem. Well, and in fact, what what FEMSA wanted to do here is they they wanted to just sort of withdraw the notice uh, of wrongdoing mm-hmm. against our our client uh, without any getting any sort of merits based ruling from the mm-hmm. ALJ and the and the administrative law judge to to his or her credit who was overseeing the underlying enforcement proceeding, said, no, 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 no. Uh, by your decision to take no further action on the allegations, you, in effect, have failed to meet your burden yep. to prove your accusation against GH Package. So we're actually dismissing this with prejudice. Yeah. And you can't bring these this administrative and action And that's the most important part, because this concept of with prejudice means that the agency can't bring the same charges against them later. And more importantly, when I was talking about those sort of collateral issues that occur— if it's with prejudice, there's been no adjudication on the merits against them that precludes them from um, getting their licensing and regu- you know, regulation-type stuff back. And so that's really important as well. 
Absolutely. And, and I should, before we run out of time here, give credit to our colleague, Shang Lee, uh, who was lead counsel uh, in, in this case. And so congratulations to you. Congratulations mm-hmm. to Shang. Congratulations to GH Package Product Testing and Consulting. Yeah, Shang is so good at these jury trial cases, they keep getting mooted on him. 